Hey guys, and welcome to Hunting Land, presented by Great Days Outdoors Magazine. If you'd like to stay up to date on hunting tactics, land management, land values, and land market dynamics, this is the podcast for you. This week's show is brought to you by Fatanas Defense, Masters of Darkness. Fatanas Defense is proud to offer the PD Pro line of night vision systems. The PD Pro series is the world's smallest and lightest night vision goggles, built around the Fatana 16mm filmless 4G image intensifier tubes and their hybrid filmless 18mm image intensifier tubes. These ultralight, ultra-compact night vision systems deliver the cleanest image, best resolution, smallest, most transparent halo, and best overall performance and function of any night vision system available. The PD Pro line consists of the PD Pro M 16mm monocular, the PD Pro B 16mm binocular, and the PD Pro Q panoramic night vision system. Patanus Defense, Masters of Darkness. And also brought to you by Boaters List. Boaters List is your new reliable and fast resource designed to link everyone to everything on the water. If you run a boat, you know how difficult it can be to find the right company for the task at hand. Boaters List makes this easy and easy to find the service you are looking for. Locate anything from fuel docks to service repairs or rentals of large yachts all the way down to paddle boards and all things in between. BoatersList.com will always strive to make it better on the water. I'm your host, Joe Baia, here today with my co-host, Butch Theory. And Butch, this week, we're going to be discussing something, you know, most people, when they think about setting up trail cameras, we're talking about inventory and game animals, maybe trying to help pinpoint exactly where they're moving to help you set up for hunting opportunities. But today, we're going to be talking about how to use those trail cameras for actually securing your property you know most of us own our properties we're not on this long property. ways away usually i mean some people are two or three hours away it's hard to keep an eye on a property luckily you know sometimes you have some good neighbors that are you know lucky enough to look after the place or you know lucky enough for you to look after the place for but yeah it's uh it's tough man it's tough to re- monitor something remotely yeah and if people know that you know that property's being monitored 365 days a year that right there is a deterrent in and of itself but huge peace of mind yeah, I mean the biggest thing is if if you do have a problem, you know, being able to prove what happened there. So we're going to be talking about setting up those trail cameras for the purposes of security today. Who are we talking to today? Yes, sir. We have Josh Pfeiffer. He is the CEO of Barn Owl Tech. Looking forward to getting into it. Yeah, you know, Barn Owl is doing some cool things with trail cameras. You know, you can still use them for traditional stuff, watching gaming. deer, watching turkeys. Right. But they've got a lot of clients that are using them to monitor remote assets, and that's. Could be securing your land, but also just keeping things like, you know, uh, stock tanks and things like that. Yep. Cattle ranches, I know they've a, a lot, lot of time, time, a lot of drive time. Not having to go out and check those things themselves. So let's see what uh, Josh has to say about setting up trail cameras for security. Josh, welcome back to Hunting Land. You know, talked about it a little bit in the intro, but trail cameras are something that most people think about when they're really thinking about monitoring game, uh, whether that's trying to pinpoint them or taking an inventory uh, that kind of thing. Y'all have found quite a few uh, uses for them outside of just doing that, especially in the world of monitoring remote assets, whether that's a security thing or or just sa- saving people a lot of time. So you know, before we jump into really setting up a trail camera for security, tell us a little bit about Barn Owl, how you, how you guys got into this and you know the kind of different things that people are using trail cameras for now. 
Yeah, definitely. Uh, thanks for having me back. It's always fun to talk to you guys. Yeah, so my background is I grew up on on large uh, livestock ranches in Wyoming and Nebraska. So I grew up with the challenge that I'm sure many of your listeners have is you have assets or uh, livestock or other resources spread out over dozens, if not hundreds of square miles. Um, and then how do you monitor and manage these kind of remotely positioned assets and resources? It's hugely time consuming. It's stressful. You never know what's happening. And that's really in the, you know, the genesis behind Barnhouse. We really seek to be kind of that remote command and control system that allows users to, to monitor and manage resources that are spread out over, over large areas. Um, you know, I also have an Air Force background. I'm actually still a reservist I'm coming up on year 20. So, so we're getting there. But, you know, in the military, we have all this, you know, high-end technology where we can monitor literally almost anything in the world, right? But you still go to these remote and rural businesses and they're still driving around pickups or ATVs or even riding horses to check on things. And for me, that dichotomy just didn't really make sense. And so, yeah, I found a barn just to really help these rural customers and businesses find affordable, effective, easy to use solutions to, to monitor the remote, the remote property and the remote assets. So Josh, what are some of the things that Barn Owl has to offer now that are different from your traditional game cameras? Yeah, we really focus on trying to be, we're working towards really being like a business solution, right? Yeah, you can certainly go to Cabela's or Bass Pro, as you know, and there's an entire aisle probably of cellular trail cameras. We really are trying to build the software and the service to make it easy to use if you're putting out a lot of cameras, uh, you know, anywhere, you know, anything more than like all those trail cameras work if you're going to put one or two or even four or five. But if you start to put up 10, 20, we have customers with hundreds of cameras. We really tried to build the software and the service to make it really easy to monitor and manage all those cameras. And that includes things like building out the software to where you can group the cameras. So if you have different, uh, you know, resources spread out, you can group the cameras in a way. So you're, you're reviewing the cameras for certain resources at the same time. And also you can allow different users to see different groups of cameras. The way we do our cellular data is different than everybody else. Pretty much all the other cellular trail cameras, like each camera is on a fixed plan, right? We do a pooled uh, data plan where each camera does have a little bit of connection fee, but then all the data across all the cameras pooled. So you don't have to worry about micromanaging each camera's data plan, just making it super easy. And then, you know, we're starting to do some work with the Air Force and other security agencies where we're using AI to automate monitoring. And so as you got, if you have trail cameras, you know, you can get a lot of nuisance alerts for whether it's squirrels or birds or tumbleweeds. And so we, we use the AI to filter out that nuisance and really try to, you know, give alerts when it's something that people are really interested in, whether it be a predator or a, a person or a vehicle. Well, speaking on security in particular, you know, if we're trying to catch someone, a person, you know, in the act and either prevent that from happening, you know, in real time or catch that person and be able to use that data in some type of prosecution, what kind of images are most beneficial? Like, would you rather have static images, video? I mean, is there, is there a better, what are the most beneficial there? Yeah, I mean, obviously, the more data you can collect, the better. So I, I wouldn't necessarily video is better than uh, images, but it does increase your probability of, of catching a certain act 
right? Whether it's vandalism or trespassing, uh, with the still image, it's difficult to uh, capture a specific act unless they're clearly trespassing in the location they're not supposed to be. So with that said, you know, we recommend if you're using images, then, you know, higher resolution is better for security. Just again, just the more data you can collect, the finer resolution allows you to see things like license plates and and faces and and clothing features. But we recommend some kind of burst shot. You know, you're taking a series of photos over 30 seconds or a minute, uh, or if you had the video capability, particularly if you're really concerned about the asset video, uh, was probably the better way to go just to make sure you're capturing uh, a full uh, series of, of events. And, and to take you back to what you were saying about, about those triggers, those, those faulty triggers, so to speak, you know, like if I've got, say, a camp road, and that most people do, you know, most people, they've got They've got their assets in one location. At least a gate, like behind the gate. Right. And if somebody's coming into that property, uh, there most likely is going to be, I would say 90% of the properties I'm on, there's one way in and one way out. So you're going you're gonna to catch those folks coming in. But let's say we've got a situation where you are getting a lot of faulty triggers. Maybe you set your camera up wrong and you've got a, a piece of grass out there or a limb that gets in the way and you start getting that trigger. Is there a way that we can manage that camera remotely to be able to adjust that trigger speed or, or adjust that? Or is that something that we've got to then return to the property and, and adjust it there? Yeah. Well, it depends on, on the camera company in the short term with, you know, you can certainly, it probably is more of a manual process, right? You can adjust camera settings remotely, uh, mainly the PIR setting, you know, to make the, the motion detection less sensitive for, you know, if there's a branch blowing in front of the camera, which sometimes helps, but honestly doesn't always help. Uh, at Barnow, we are, like I said, we're really focused on the AI side of it. And so in the coming few months, we'll deploy AI for all the cloud-based cameras. And when I say cloud-based, I'm seeing, I mean cameras that are always transmitting imagery and video to the cloud, and then we'll run the, the AI there to filter out the noise. Uh, but we're also working on edge compute cameras with the Air Force to where that AI is running on the camera at the edge. So if it doesn't detect an object of interest, it just won't transmit it and give you the alert. Yeah. Well, and that's that's some really cool technology. I mean, like you think about how far trail cameras have come in the last 10 years. It's kind of Wild. interesting to see what's out there 10 yeah. years from now. But let, let's talk about license plates a little bit. You mentioned that. And, and, and I think about that example, you know, you've got this one way in, one way out kind of camp road in a lot of places. That would be, to me, I would be thinking that would be the most beneficial thing to get would be somebody's license plate coming into the property. What kind of settings do you, I mean, you mentioned it with static images. You, you want to go, I guess, highest resolution possible. I mean, would it be better to have a static image trying to catch that license plate or would it be better to have a, a video trying to catch that person coming into the property and get that license? Plate? Yeah. Unfortunately, again, it kind of depends. I would say in general, yes, the higher resolution image is going to be better. Uh, but again, the video is going to give you different frames over time. So you can select the frame with the best view of the license plate. So it's going to depend a little bit, but if it's a gate coming in and out and you know, it's set up well, then probably the higher resolution image is going to be your best bet. And we are, you know, Getting the license plate in daytime is pretty straightforward, uh, and that's something we can do. Uh, and just just to be to be frank, nighttime is can be challenging with these cameras with the IR flash because it kind of causes a big glow on the license plate. Mm. And so then sometimes you can't quite get the license plate, so you're more limited, you know, vehicle, uh, you know, type and make and and potentially color and stuff like that. But. So one of the biggest problems that we have at our camp, I would say, and even, you know, my dad has X, um, X kind of cameras. I have X kind of cameras. My brother has X kind of cameras. 
and certain types of cell signal doesn't work in certain places. My dad has a certain cell service provider. I have a different service cell provider, and it seems that we can never get on the same page. Uh, how does that work with barn owl text cameras? Yeah, so with barn owl, all the cell service comes through us, and we are certainly uh, working on multi-carrier capabilities. So the cameras we have in the market now are ATT, T-Mobile, and all their partners, um, but we will be uh, launching a camera this summer that is true multi-carrier. So it's one SIM card, uh, one side of the module, one camera, and it works with all of the major carriers and their partners. So uh, we just, again, really just trying to make it easy to use. And so you don't have to, you don't care what cell service is out there. It just works for you. Uh, but the data billing comes through Barnell instead of your own, your own um, cellular carrier. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're only as good as that, as that signal, but then if let's say you do have a period, maybe you just got a storm coming through or something like that. And you're, you're down for a while or something like that. Uh, is that, is that image or that video still being stored, you know, like on an SD card on the camera? Uh, yes, for sure. So all of the, the data that the cameras collect is both transmitted and stored locally on the SD card. Um, and then you can choose the, the resolutions for each, you know, how high do you want the resolution that's stored locally? And then how high do you want the resolution that's transmitted, which gives our customers the flexibility of, of how much data they're using, just depending on their use case and, and the priority they have for that certain camera. Josh, have you seen that that these images have been able to be used as legal evidence? Uh, yes, yeah, certainly. Uh, we, we definitely have cases where you know our photos have, have gone to court and helped with prosecutions. And we work with a number of professional security agencies, including uh, the Air Force Security Forces. We work with a number of police departments, a number of sheriff's departments, National Park Service, and others. So certainly, you know, they are are, are certainly usable in court and, and as legal evidence. You know, thinking about that SD card, you know, makes me think about the fact that if somebody were to see your camera set up, they could go pull that SD card. That's one of the benefits of having the cellular technology is you already got it, right? Like it comes back in, it's there, even if they went and destroyed the camera. You still got the, the you picture. Still got it, but you don't want them to even know that that camera is there if you can help it. So Josh, what do you think about as far as setup? Like I think about, you know, at my place, I got my ingress and my egress and I've, I've even gone as far as setting up decoy cameras. Like I've got old, you know, old cameras that I don't really even use anymore, but I've got them set up very pl in plain sight where folks are going to see that. And hopefully I'll, they'll think that that's the one I'm using, you know, and not notice the, yeah, the, the real cellular one. one that, yeah. But what do you think? I mean, what, what are some best practices as far as setting it up so that it, it works, but maybe isn't as visible? Yeah, no, for sure. You know, it's really tough to give recommendations without seeing the specific property, but there's certainly some, some rules of thumb that we recommend, right? And that is, well, first of all, make it very clear that it's your property, right? If you have the ability to put up a fence line or no press, trespassing signs or some kind of other barrier, that's certainly helpful. It's also helpful in court, but on the perimeter, you know, we recommend being overt, i.e., you know, cameras with orange boxes or signs that say under video surveillance and cameras that are clearly visible, even if they're dummy cameras, like you mm -hmm. said, just make it over on the perimeter to keep like give people a sense that they, they shouldn't go in there or those, they're going to be monitored. And then once you get, you know, inside the property, then that's when you probably want to switch to covert. Um, so hidden cameras and, you know, we think high hidden and hardened, right? Mount them high if you can use a ladder uh, if possible, or even climb a tree, but uh, don't hurt yourself. Be careful on that one. 
<laughs> make sure they're as hidden as possible. Most cameras are camo, but not all of them. And then if, if you can't do that, then harden them with a, with a, you know, hard uh, camera case or, or whatever. Um, and so that's just like you said, and then using either real cameras to face each other. So even if they do get the one camera, it's captured by another one. Or if you don't have the funds to do that, using dummy cameras to scare people off and think they're kind of inside of a, a web of cameras. Right. Are there any stats, you know, you mentioned that some of the images have been used in legal with legal ramifications, but is there any stats that say like how many security breaches come from people that are in the local area. And the reason I reason I say that is like, I've even gone as far on my place as to reaching out to my neighbors and let it, regardless of the, you know, if I knew them or not, not, just letting them know, hey, you know, I've been monitoring my place with cameras and I let them know that I've got mm-hmm. cameras on my property uh, and they heard it from me. It's not just a, a you know, kind of like I, my thought is like a lot of times it's going to be a local to some respect and maybe the word will get out. But is that a good idea? I mean, do you want people to know that you're monitoring your place or would you rather them not know? We always recommend, you know, being best friends with your neighbors, right? Whether it's your, your, your local neighbor or somebody that lives next to your hunting property. I think your neighbor can be your best friend and you can repay each other favors. And, you know, we have our system set up to where you can share cameras. And so if the camera's on the property line and it sees both sides, you can share it with your neighbor and monitor their property at the same time. So we definitely think, yes, uh, your neighbor is your best friend out there. And there's nothing like, you know, having your neighbors or the local law enforcement on your side, if something happens, for sure. Yeah. Well, you know, we talked about it a little bit, but let's get into the nitty gritty when we talk about features here, because there's, like you said, there's a lot of different trail cameras out there. And if we're trying to compare different models for the purposes of wanting to use one for security, I think it's important we talk about a few things. So you mentioned earlier that IR, when it comes to illumination, is that the go-to? Do you want to go with that IR? Because I mean, that's what, basically invisible to the human eye, or do you see a very low red glow? Yeah. So when it comes... This isn't necessarily the case with the the hunting market because I realize some hunters do value the white flash and the color photos at night. But for the security market, uh, we definitely recommend uh, passive IR that that the human eye can't see. And there are two types. There is the low glow or red glow, like you said. Um, With that, you'll get a little bit better range, a little bit better night photos, or there's the full blackout cameras, which is a different frequency coming from the the IR, um, but it's completely indetectable to the human. So it will impact the quality of the images at night, but the camera will not be detected. And so again, this is kind of a little bit that depends perhaps on the perimeter. Maybe you want some white white flash cameras at the front gate, yeah, uh, just as that deterrence factor. But once you get inside and you're really trying to protect something inside or see what's going on, then that covert invisible flash is definitely what we recommend. Yeah, I like what you're saying there. Overt on the perimeter, covert inside. It makes sense uh, to me. Yeah, I mean, if you get blasted with a white flash right as you're coming through the gate, right? What are you gonna do? Yeah, cheese. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Better get on out of there. What about triggers? I mean, if there's a lot of jargon, a lot of technical jargon, and I think funny to me when I look at different things out on the market, I see a lot of a lot of it looks like engineers wrote it as opposed to you know trying to understand <laughs> yeah. the value that right. it brings. So when it comes to triggers, what's good enough? You know, and then what are some of the different levels? What should we really be looking for in a trigger or maybe trigger speed? Yeah. So, you know, obviously the two variables there are range and uh, trigger speed, right? And in general, for range, I could probably say further is 
usually better, but not always, right? If it's on a game trail and you can only see 10 yards, you don't need to trigger 50 yards away. And so I would say you're trying to maximize range, especially for security applications in open areas, right? You're just trying to see as far as you, far as you can. Mm-hmm. I will say, I, I think the trigger speed stuff is a little bit too much marketing speak. You know, all these companies talk about how fast their trigger speed is. And, and sometimes it's important, but it's also, we do a lot of work and the engineers do work to pair up the trigger speed with the field of view of the camera, right? You don't want a super fast trigger speed and then like you get half a deer that just came into the picture, right? You're trying to pair it with the field of view of the camera. So for security applications, we like to use wide field of view cameras, like 100, 100 degrees plus at least. We've got a new camera coming out, it's 120 degrees. So trigger speed is, is really, I wouldn't worry about too much because we have worked to pair that with, with the field of view of the camera, so. So I just got a couple of these and I'm really excited to try it full transparency. I have not tried them yet, um, but one of the things I'm most excited about is the solar bundle. Tell us a little bit about that because the ones I have now, I'm burning up some batteries. So but what can I look for as far as longevity of, can you never change batteries again or how does it work, Josh? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think particularly in areas that are far away, we we always recommend the solar. And unfortunately, this is going to be one of those that depends on the camera settings, right? But if you're using the camera... And what I would call pretty normal use cases, motion activated photos, it's sending probably less than 20 pictures a day. You're going to be fine to run that thing around the clock year round. And we have customers that do that all the time. But, you know, if you're constantly burning long videos, sending them constantly, you may drain into the battery a little bit. Uh, But in general, the solar will power the camera year round. Uh, I would just make sure when you're mounting the solar, obviously, it's got a good view of the sun. So typically pointing it to the south a little bit, which can be a challenge, uh, I realize. But uh, but yeah, just have just make sure you take some time to put the solar in a good place where it's getting good sun for sure. Guys, let's take a quick break and take a minute to check out some of the businesses that keep this show free for you each week. Dixie Supply and Baker Metalworks. Dixie Supply and Baker Metalworks are proud to be your metal roofing headquarters for over 40 years. Save time and money by buying from the most reliable manufacturer on the Gulf Coast. If you buy it today, you pick it up today. They offer 20 Sherwin-Williams colors to choose from and a 40-year warranty. Baker Metal and Dixie Supply, two names, same great service. With the addition of their new store in Cantonment, Florida, they now have eight locations to serve you. Dixie Supply and Baker Metalworks, your metal roofing headquarters. All right, Josh, I want to bring you back a little bit about what you were saying. I've, I've never really heard of any other technology or company where you're sharing a camera or sharing those, those, that data, those pictures and videos. How does that work? You guys, would you guys share an email address or just walk me through how that works if you're sharing a c- well, camera? Well, and also too, like another person. Butch might want to share the alert that somebody's coming onto the property with his dad. Sure. He doesn't want to necessarily share that they've just seen this big bug. That's a fact. <laughs> he kills them all anyway. <laughs> so do, do you have to share everything if you share? That's a good point. Uh, that's true. So how we do it now is we allow you to set up either email or text-based alerts when, it, when a camera is triggered. And you could add as many phone numbers or email addresses to that alert for a camera. So... Uh, have, you know, share it with, with whoever you want. Unfortunately, right now we, we can't, you know, don't share the buck, but share. The, yeah. That needs to be part of that CF, AI. Yeah. You know, be like for, for this email, Josh, do not share deer pictures, only share trespass. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> 
we'll work on that one. Uh, I will say, and also with their app in the coming few months, we're building what's called role-based access control, which is more for businesses, but you can assign different users to different cameras or different groups of cameras. So it's not just alert, but they can actually log into the app and see them through the app and manage the cameras at different levels. That's very cool. And a lot of guys too, especially, you know, folks that are managing large pieces of property, they've got somebody helping them do that too. Oh yeah. You know, so being able to give that to their land manager. A neighbor or somebody that lives on the road, you know, somebody lives on the road in. Yeah. The guy that plants the food plots, you know, I mean, all, all that kind of situation is a nice feature to have. Josh, of course, today the focus was security. What's the most important thing here that somebody pays attention to? We've talked about a lot of different aspects of cameras and setting them up and and that kind of thing. But if it comes down to trying to deter people from coming into your property or actually catching them in the act and, and being able to prove something, ha- what's what's really the most important here? And how should we be setting up our cameras to capitalize on that? Yeah, I think deterrence is a good first step, right? So even if you're not putting in cameras, you should do something. If you're trying to protect something or putting up signs, putting up gates, whatever it is. With that said, with our work with professional security agencies, the data collection and the long-term data collection and figuring out patterns of life is really important to a long-term solution, right? If somebody's trying to get on your property and you're doing a little bit of turns, they may, they may check it out, they'll come back a few times, they may do some penetration testing. Uh, but if you don't have the data collection and an interior kind of covert camera system, they're eventually going to get into what they want to do. I'm not saying you shouldn't do uh, the deterrence up front, but the law, but the figuring out who it is and why they're there so you can do something with it legally is really what's going to uh, help keep mm-hmm. you safe in the long term. And so, you know, like, again, I'm going to use my personal situation as an example. If collecting the data is the most important, if you think that this, this threat, this security threat is going to come in the form of somebody driving onto your property and then, and then being in the area of your assets, whether that's a camp or equipment or whatever it may be, would you think it's more important to capture like the vehicle and the vehicle information, like make model and license plate number or to actually capture the person and the visual of that person, because I could see setting up a camera, you know, on that ingress and egress route that where you could easily capture their, their vehicle information before they ever knew you were in the world. But I could also see setting it up there at the camp to capture them in the act, but you maybe wouldn't get the vehicle, but you'd get the people. What do you think is more important, people or vehicle? Uh, that's a tough one. You know, I think obviously vehicles have some very clear identifiers. You can figure out who it is very quickly. With that said, if you have a large property and somebody really wants in, and particularly if they're, you know, they're a hunter or something like that, they're probably not going to use their vehicle and they're going to figure out a way in um, that is not near a road. Right. So being able to have an interior camera network that can take pictures of the person, person is probably your best bet to a uh, more reliable resolution on the problem monitor the asset, not necessarily the transportation route, because if they're sly at all, they're right. going to avoid that anyway. That's a great point. Well, Josh, thanks for joining us today. This is it's cool technology that you guys uh, have come up with. And there's a lot of options out there for people trying to use these. And I like things that do double duty. I mean, if you're going to invest in technology, it's really cool to be able to have something that works not only for watching deer and turkeys or whatever you're trying to catch, but yep. also being able to keep your property more secure. If folks want to go check out Barn Owl, everything you guys offer and get more information or even give you guys a, you know, reach out to you guys. What's the best way for them to do that? 
Yeah, easiest way is just go to our website, which is www.barnowl.tech.tech. And yeah, through there, you can find all the information and multiple avenues to contact us, whether it's our phone number or text or email, just the easiest way for customers to get us. So we have a team standing by to talk. So, yeah. Josh, thanks for joining us, man. It's been fun. All right. Thanks a lot. All right, guys, let's take a quick break. Don't forget about our sponsors and make sure you support them when you're out in the marketplace. United Bank. United Bank knows what an important role agriculture plays in our local economy. At United Bank, they are here to support local farmers with financial products and services designed specifically for agribusiness, including real loans for farmland, equipment loans, working lines of credit, and more. Truth is, they deeply value the contribution agriculture makes to our communities, and they help local farmers build successful businesses. They want you to succeed. Learn more at unitedbank.com or stop by at any United Bank branch. United Bank, all loans subject to credit approval, equal housing opportunity lender, member FDIC. Guys, let's take a quick break and hear from this week's sponsor, Great Days Outdoors Magazine. Are you frustrated by your typical hunting and fishing magazines? Are you tired of reading content meant for the guys up north or in the Midwest? Don't get left behind following the guidance of the guys who don't hunt and fish in your home state. Pick up a Great Days Outdoors Magazine subscription and become a better Southern outdoorsman. Great Days Outdoors Magazine can be found at your local Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, Tractor Supply Company, Rural King, Bass Pro Shops, Academy Sports and Outdoors, or you can save and buy online at greatdaysoutdoors.com. So Butch, you got your uh, you got your security plan in your mind now? Definitely uh, brought up a lot of things in my mind that I hadn't previously thought about talking to Josh today as far as what to, you know, what to monitor and what works best for your property, because it is property specific. For sure. I mean, some people have got multiple entrance points. Some people have one, some people, you know, I can guarantee you this, whatever I said I was going to do on here, I'm going to do the opposite. Right. Because now y'all just have to keep guessing. Now everybody knows your plan. You don't know where my stuff is. (laughs) It could be anywhere. It's going to be from the sky. Right. Yeah. All this is just a big decoy because everything I said I was going to do. Yeah. Totally different. Yeah. Trip wire set up. Spike strips. Yeah. For sure. Claymores. Maybe. Yeah. But no, nah, man, I think I did learn a lot. I think that I'm going to have a couple different ones on things. You know, I, I just, in the past, I was watching one or the other. I think now I'm going to have one watching the place and one watching the gate. It's cool how they've got different features too that, that really make this stuff more usable in the field. I like what he was saying about... Well, because they've listened to consumers, it seems like, and taken everything like, into, yeah, I mean, into consideration. I, I get a lot of times paralyzed with analysis of, of all the different things I need to so think many about. settings. And one of the things that resonated with me is, is Josh was talking about how they match the trigger speed with the field of view, because you, you know, if you've got a narrow field of view, you need a lot faster trigger than if you've got a wide field of view. Sure. That made a lot of sense to me. And then being able to do simple stuff, what would you would say is simple, but probably takes a ton of technology. Back end stuff. Being able to share it with a neighbor, being able to share it with uh, another, you know, one of the other people that uses the property. That's just, that just makes it easy. And I like that a lot. Yep. Me too, man. I learned a lot. Enjoyed it. It was a good show. Same here. Appreciate you joining us. We want to make it easy for you to listen. So here's a handy option for you to get the podcast emailed to you each week. Just text the word hunting to 773-770-4377. Again, just text the word hunting to 773-770-4377. You'll join our email list. And wherever you are listening to podcasts, go ahead, subscribe, rate, and review. Send us a written review. We'd love to hear from you. If you got a show topic, 
that you are interested in and like to see us cover, just email us at pros at landhunting.com. That's going to do it for us. Y'all stay safe out there. We'll talk to you next time. This week's Hunt Land Show is brought to you by Bucks Island Marine. Bucks Island is a full-service facility that sells new and used boats and motors. Visit them at 4500 Highway 77, Southside, Alabama, or give them a call at 256-442-2588. And also brought to you by Alabama Farmers Co-op. Alabama Farmers Cooperative has been serving gardeners, farmers, and everyone in between for 85 years. Visit www.alafarm.com for more information and to find a co-op near you. And also brought to you by Brush Clearing Services. Are you interested in building a healthy, sustainable habitat for a wide range of wildlife? If so, Brush Clearing Services and their 20 years of wildlife management experience should be your first choice. Check out their full line of property and land services at brushclearingservices.com or call them at 706-718-1600. And also, Southern Seed and Feed, do you want to provide better nutrients for your deer? Check out Southern Buck. Your deer will love it. Visit their website at southernseedfeed.com or call 662-726-2638 to find the dealer nearest you. 